Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, I'm thankful for, um, I'm thankful for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I want us to understand something this morning that it's really been on my mind all week, and you can turn in your Bible to Matthew 28 if you like as we get going this morning, but something that's been on my mind all week is just the, simp- the simple thought that I stated at the beginning of the service. The fact of the matter is that if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, then there is no point in any of this. You see, his resurrection truly is the one thing that everything we believe and everything that the word of God teaches, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, because there were other teachers who came and, and taught, and there were other uh, people who came and, and tried to even tr- uh, perform uh, miracles or different things like that, but there is only one person In all of history, there is only one person who brought himself back from the dead. And I'll be honest with you. Some people, some people look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they say, well, you have to be crazy to believe in that. You have to be crazy to believe in that. Oh, oh, you're a religion. Oh, oh, you're a church person. Oh, that's your crutch, isn't it? Oh, you believe. Oh, oh. And there's a lot of different. There's a lot of different thoughts out there about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning, what I would like to do, if you'd give me opportunity, I would like to take the next few minutes and I would like to show you from the word of God the proof of the resurrection of Jesus. Everybody loves the story of a good comeback. Everybody loves the story of a good comeback. You know, the team that is down, the team that all hope looks lost, and I'm not talking about the Gonzaga game last night. Man, how many of you heard me yelling last night when Suggs hit that jumper? Jace, he really does live in our neighborhood. He did hear me yell. Man, I startled people. The kids came in. They were like, what's going on? Man, that was, that was amazing, but that's not what I'm talking about. I just had to mention it. No, a great comeback when a team is, if you're a UCLA fan, I apologize. Uh, the great, a great comeback is when a team or an individual is down and it, it looks as though all hope is gone and then something happens. It's like a few months ago, I was playing sorry. <laughs> I was playing sorry with my kids. Now, you know the game of sorry. You start with four pawns in your start, uh, in your start spot, and you are trying to get all four pawns around the, around the board to your home. And you do that by drawing cards, and uh, the, you just kind of obey what the cards say. You know, it's a great, it's, listen, parents, it's a great, te- great, great teaching tool uh, for your kids. Just obey the card. Just obey, listen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I remember as we, we got going on that game, uh, I'll be honest with you. I was getting shellacked. The kids were putting a whooping on me. I mean, they were drawing cards. They were getting pawns out of start, and they were going around the board. And we got, I mean, we got well into this game, and I literally had one pawn on one space right outside of the start. Everybody else was still asleep in the start spot. And I remember I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is not good. How can I cheat to win? 
you know, every parent thing, don't look at me like that. You think it too, because you don't want to lose to your kids. And I was thinking, man, what could I do? You can't, I, I can't do anything. I don't know any magic tricks to make myself win. And so I was just like, man, this is it. I'm, I'm going to lose today. And the kids are going to make fun of me perpetually like they do. And the next card I drew, it was a sorry card. Now, if you know what a sorry card is, it means if you draw that, you get to take somebody else's pawn and kick them back to start, and you get to put your pawn where theirs is. Well, sure enough, I picked the kid that was closest to me. I think it was Micah at the time. He's closest to my home, so I kicked him back. Dad, why'd you do that? I'm like, guys, you're the closest, and I'm going to win. Somehow, I am going to win. (laughs) Well, I will save you the story, but I'll just admit this morning, and this is me humbly saying this. It was a great comeback, (laughs) and I didn't even cheat. No, what happened, man, we, got, we drew those sorries, and it came down to me and Dennis and, and uh, uh, Micah and Lena. I had kicked both of them back to start position. You know, there's no hope for them. And uh, Dennis had a number of pawns, I mean, right there in the safe zone, about to go in, and he was getting ready. And finally, I drew another sorry. <laughs> drew another one. You're thinking of a different, he's back there shaking his head. You're thinking of a different game, so... You know what? Everybody, everybody loves the story of a comeback. And your, your team, well, you love the story unless your team loses. Then you don't like the story of a comeback. Your team, your team winning, coming back, that fighter who it looks like they're going to get knocked out, they're going down, they come back. I want to tell you this morning about the story of the greatest comeback throughout humanity. It's the story of a comeback that brought hope to humanity. Now, you already know what I'm talking about. It's a story of the comeback of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, a man who was beaten and slain, crucified, not for his own sin, but for my sin and for your sin. He was buried, and yet three days later, he rose again from the dead. We're going to discover the story this morning, Matthew chapter 28, And we're going to look beginning in verse number one of Matthew 28, and you can stay seated this morning just to jump right into this. But Matthew 28, verse number one, it says this. It says, in the end of Sabbath, as it, was, as it began to dawn toward the first day of, day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a, a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and, and rolled back the stone from the door and, and set upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the the keepers, the guards that were placed outside of the tomb, they did shake and they passed out. They became as dead men. The angel, he answered when the women got to the tomb. He answered and, and he said unto the women, fear not. Fear not for or, or because I know that, that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. 
This morning, for the next few minutes, I want us to reflect upon this comeback, the greatest comeback of all time, the comeback that brings you and I hope. And the question I want to start with this morning before we pray quickly and then get through the message is I want to ask you a question to think about introspectively. That means you thinking about you. Many of us, we can think about everybody else. You know, you can, you can, listen, you can come to church and think, man, this message is really good for my wife. Man, I, I hope my husband sure gets it. Boy, I hope, I don't want you to think about everybody else. I want you to think right now introspectively about you. Here's the question I want to ask you. In life, right now, in your life, are you going through life with hope? Don't answer out loud. Just think about it. Are you going through life with hope? Or do you wake up every day wondering, what's the point? What's the purpose? Why does this matter? What's going on? I wonder this morning, are you going through life with hope? Because today we're going to look at this comeback that brings every person hope. And I believe that today, if you and I will tune in, that every single one of us could leave here knowing there is hope because we have a risen Savior. Lord, I want to pray right now that you'd help us as we get into the Word of God for the next few minutes. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought and direction. I pray that you help every listener today. Lord, help every one of us to tune in to your Word and to see that, that your Word truly identifies history and what took place with Jesus Christ and that it means something for us. Father, I just humble my mind and heart before you, my words before you today. Speak through me. And Lord, help each one of us today to leave knowing that there is hope because of our risen Savior. We love you and it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, we've taken a, a few minutes. We've heard some great music, and I hope the music was a blessing to you. And uh, for all of our music team, thank you for the work that you put in. We've heard a number of, of great testimonies, and for those of you that, that reluctantly gave your testimony, some of you are like, oh, they signed up for it. No, listen, we have to beg sometimes. It's not because people don't want to tell their story. It's just people are like, I don't want to be in front of a screen. I'm like, I'm in front of live people all the time. <laughs> Listen, we heard some great testimonies. And those testimonies are stories of, of hope. But the question that we might ask this morning is, how? how? How do they have a story of hope? You see, the truth of the matter is, and I won't take much time to elaborate upon the point, but every single person in life, every single one of us go through life hopeless. At one point in our life, we realize we are hopeless. Some people mask their hopelessness with stuff. Maybe if I get more things, I'll have hope. Some people mask their hopelessness with relationships. Maybe, if I, maybe it's not this relationship that brings me hope. Maybe it will be the next relationship that brings me hope. And they, they mask hopelessness with relationships. Other people, they, they mask their hopelessness with busyness. Man, if I can just keep myself busy, then I, I won't think about it. But this morning, I want to help us understand that God's desire is not that you and I would go through life with a masked hopelessness. God's desire is that you and I would understand real, living hope. Amen. I want you to notice a few thoughts with me at 
the story of Jesus Christ, we ask the question, how do these people have hope? And I would say it is because simply of the risen Savior, Jesus. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, it validates, listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ validates every single claim that Jesus ever made. Because he rose from the dead, it proves that everything that he said was true. I want you to think with me of some of the claims of Jesus Christ. What are some of the claims of Christ? Well, we'll go through them quickly. Not all of them, but just a few of them. Did you know that Jesus, when he was living, when he was walking upon the earth, he claimed to be the Son of God, basically saying he is God in the flesh. Notice and just listen to the verse, John 10, 30 through 33, Jesus said this, I and my Father are one. Well, then the Jews, they took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them. And he said, many good works have, have I showed you from my Father, for which those works do you stone me? Why are you wanting to stone me? And the Jews answered him, and they said this, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. You know, truth is, Jesus, he claimed to be God in the flesh. That's what the Bible teaches, that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he had a miraculous birth, that he was born of a virgin, that he was born in order to die because he was God's son. He was God in the flesh. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big claim. I don't know too many people that walk around saying, I am God. Now, there's some people, if you follow the news, that say that every now and then, and they're proven wrong. He claimed to be the son of God and God in the flesh. Did you know Jesus claimed to be able to forgive sin? He made this claim, Mark chapter two, verse five through seven, when he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts saying, why doth this man, why, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And you can look it up time and time and time again. You know, Jesus did in the scripture, he claimed, I have the power to forgive sins. Hey, that's a a pretty big claim. I know, and I would not at all go against uh, knocking any, any church or history that you might have, but there are pastors and churches out there that they claim they can forgive sins. And, and the truth is they can't. This morning, I love being a pastor. I love uh, pastoring Moses Lake Baptist Church. I love what God is doing in our church. But I'll be the very first one to admit to you that I can't forgive your sins. No, there's only one, and his name was Jesus. He made the claim, I am able to forgive sin. Did you know Jesus, he made the claim to have power over death? He made the claim to have power over death. John chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, Jesus answered, and he said unto them, Destroy this temple, speaking of his body, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, thinking he was speaking about the temple in Jerusalem, they said, 40 and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up or build it in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remember that he had said unto them, what he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Did you know Jesus prophesied that he would raise himself from the dead? And this is just one of the occasions. There's other people that have claimed that, but do you want to know where they still are? Dead. This is the claim that Jesus made. 
Did you know Jesus made the claim that he is the only way to God? As a matter of fact, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, nobody comes to the Father but or except through me. That's a pretty drastic claim. You can only get to God through Jesus. Jesus claims to be, to be the giver of eternal life. He says, I give unto them, those that believe, eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's a pretty big claim, isn't it, man? I'll, I'll give you eternal life if you believe in me. That's a, that's a big claim. Jesus claimed to be the Savior of the world. John 3, 16, Jesus, these are the words of Christ, for God so loved the world. You know the verse that he gave is, only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, that's a pretty big claim. But all of these claims and many others, they are validated. Well, what is the validation of Christ? What, validated his, what validates those claims? Well, it's the passage that we just read before us today. It's the story of Matthew 28 and the days leading up to Matthew 28. I don't have time to recap for everybody the, the 10 days leading up to uh, our passage before us, but I want us to briefly understand just a few short days what took place. A few days before the passage that we read, Jesus was at that time a free man. He was one that was traveling with his followers. Many people call them the apostles, those 12 men that he had chosen throughout his three and a half year ministry. He was with them and they were following him. And it came time to, uh, to partake of the, the Passover, them being Hebrews, to partake of the Passover. And, and Jesus went and partook of the Passover with, with his fellow disciples. But then that night, he instituted a thing called the Lord's Table, and he, he talked to them about, about something coming, that, that he was going to die, and, and he began to expound upon these things, and, and that they were going to deny him, what Brian just spoke about a moment ago. And, and those uh, apostles who were in that room, they were, no, 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 Jesus, you are wrong. No, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And Jesus said, listen, Peter, before the, before the rooster crows tonight, three times before he crows, you're going to deny me three times. From the upper room, they would travel to the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been there to the Garden of Gethsemane. What a beautiful place. Jesus would spend time about three and a half hours in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, on the way teaching to his disciples uh, what we read John 14, 15, 16, and 17 would be taking place right there in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus would spend time praying and, and seeking God. And that's where the, the famous prayer by Jesus, um, uh, where he prays, uh, not my will, but thine be done. God, take this cup from me. I don't, I don't want to suffer the death I'm about to go through. I don't want to have of the world's sins placed upon me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And as Jesus is praying, he comes back to his apostles. And as he's there, we re rehearsed it last week. The uh, Roman soldiers show up with Judas, the betrayer, who kisses Jesus on the cheek and to identify him. And Jesus says, betrayest thou me with a kiss? And then those Roman soldiers, they take Jesus and they lead him to the stairs up to Caiaphas's house. This man Caiaphas and, and Annas, two of the high priests and these these priests, Annas and Caiaphas, Jesus would go and he would be before, uh, before Caiaphas, or let me see, he'd be before Annas first. And as he was there before Annas, he would be questioned about who are you? Why are you doing this? And, and the Pharisees, 
You know who the Pharisees were? They were the religious people. Can I just pause for a moment and tell you something? Religion hates Jesus. Um, honey, does he know that we're in a church? Yeah, religion hates Jesus. And our church is not about religion. You say, well, pastor, why does religion hate Jesus? Because religion says, do this, don't do this, follow this, don't follow this, be this, don't be this. Religion's all about what you do. But our relationship with Jesus is based upon everything that he has done. You see, Jesus came and he, he said, hey, I'm not trying to establish a big religion. I'm trying to bring people into a relationship with God the Father. Now, some here, that might be like a shock. Like, what, what did he just say? And I, if you have questions about that, I'd love to talk with you about it. But the truth is this morning that Jesus is interested in a relationship. And those religious people, the Pharisees, you want to know why they wanted to see Jesus killed? They wanted to see him killed because he was uprooting everything that they were teaching. Because they were saying, do this, don't do that. And Jesus was saying, no, it's not about what you do. It's about receiving me. And so those Pharisees put Jesus on trial. And over the course of the next few hours, Jesus would go through a number of what we call kangaroo courts. He would go before Annas and then Caiaphas and then uh, Pontius Pilate and Herod and then Pilate again. And during all of these things, uh, many of those times he would be beaten and scourged and he would be tortured and all of it, all of it just simply because of who he was, the son of God. And then uh, he would be brought back to Pontius Pilate and at the, at the, uh, um, the uh, court where Pilate was, Pilate would offer Jesus to the people like, hey, Pilate said this, I find no fault in him. Like there's nothing wrong with him. I don't know what the Pharisees have against him, but the Bible says that the Pharisee or that uh, uh, Pilate, excuse me, too many names. Pilate knew that the Pharisees had delivered Jesus up for the crucifixion because of envy. They were jealous of him. They were jealous of his following. And, and Pilate knew that. And so he said, I find no fault in him. So every year I release to you, I release to you a prisoner. Who will you have? Jesus, who calls himself the king of the Jews of Nazareth? Or would you have Barabbas? And, and Pilate really wanted them to choose Jesus. Like, hey, free him. But they instead freed Barabbas and freed Barabbas and the people. You know what the people cried out? Well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Well, why? What evil hath he done? And they continued crying out, crucify him. From there, Jesus would be scourged and beaten multiple times, and then he would be taken to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Now, many of us, we like to think that the place of Golgotha was this big hill. And, and you can look at this, and uh, this is where it's at now, and of course, the place of the skull, the skull, the picture of a skull is kind of deteriorating. But this hill, people think, oh, well, Jesus was placed way up on there. No, Jesus would have been crucified right at the bottom of this hill. Why? Because it was a crossroads. It was a major intersection. And they wanted as many people to come by and to notice this man. And the scripture tells us that Jesus was placed upon that cross. And when he was put upon that cross, it actually says this, that he wasn't even recognizable as a man because he had been beaten so bad. Well, wow, pastor, he, uh, he must have certainly done something horrific. 
No, 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 no. No, he was beaten simply because he was the son of God. He was beaten simply because of the claims that he had made. The scripture tells us that on the cross, it says from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried aloud with a loud voice. And he cried these words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The scripture teaches that in in these moments, God's back was turned on his own son. Well, why was God's back turned on his own son? Because 2 Corinthians says it this way, that he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, every one of us is born a sinner. Every single one of us. Every one of us have sinned against God. We've broken God's law and If you break a law, you deserve punishment. Do the crime, do the time. Well, we've all broken God's law. Oh, um, he, he doesn't apparently know me. No, I may not know you very well, but ask the person next to you who knows you. Hey, do you think I'm a... Never mind, dumb question. Why is that a dumb question? Because we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. And because of that, we all deserve hell. But you know what Jesus did is he took your sin and my sin upon himself on that cross. And he was made sin for us. And he died our death. He died for us. And he, the, we, we uh, were singing about the blood a lot this morning. And people go, well, why do, you, why do you sing about the blood of Jesus Christ? It's because without the shedding of blood, the, book, the word of God says there is no remission of sins. And Jesus was the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. It all points back to the Old Testament when God said, one day I will bring a sinless son. I will bring a sinless man into this world that is 100% God and yet 100% man, and he will die for your sins and for mine. All of this is what took place on the cross. All of these things, what took place when Jesus gave up his life for you and for me. And when his time was up, it says, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The word, it is finished, is the Greek word, uh, tetelestai. He said, well, what does that mean? It means it's completely done. There's nothing left to do. If you've ever fixed a home or live in a home, you know that you could never say, It is finished. (laughs) Why? Because there's always work to do. Even you, you're like, we're going to buy our home. We're going to buy our dream home. I'm going to buy my dream car. I hate to tell you, but that car is going to break down. (laughs) That home, it's going to deteriorate. You can't say it is finished. Nothing else will ever need to be done. But that's the words of Jesus Christ crying out. It is finished. Nothing else will ever need to be done. Why? Because he was the sacrifice. Well, remember what I said a moment ago that Jesus had made the claim that he could raise himself from the dead? The Jews also knew about that. And you know what they did? The word of God says this in Matthew 27, verse number 66. They went and they made the sepulcher, that tomb, sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Man, they were like, listen, that dude performed a lot of miracles. He did a lot of things. He also said he's gonna raise himself from the dead. So we need a Roman guard. We need, we need guards there. And they placed a number of guards at the tomb of Jesus Christ. 
But those guards couldn't stop what took place on that third day. And what we just read about is what took place on that third day. Mary and Mary, and Mary they were coming to the tomb to, uh, just to check on the body and to perform um, some of the uh, um, rituals that they would do with burying the dead and making sure you keep the stink down and all of that type of stuff. But as they're traveling there during the night, at some point, the, the ground began to shake and an angel appeared. And those guards that were there, they were no longer um, there. They were laying down on the ground, passed out. Some of you are like sissies. No, 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 no. We would have passed out too. An angel appeared and, and the stone is rolled away. And then those Mary and Mary get there and the angel speaks the words to them. He is not here for he has risen as he said. I've been to the garden tomb. I still get chills talking about it. He said, well, why, pastor? We, we don't know 100% that this is where it is. You're correct. We don't know 100% that this is exactly where it is, but it lines up pretty good with scripture. But I've been there and stood outside of there. I've walked inside of that garden tomb and seen the place where his body would have laid. And can I tell you this morning? He's not there. He's not there. Well, why isn't he there? Because he is Jesus Christ, God's son. And you see, what we, what we read about in Matthew chapter number 28 this morning is the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is not there. Why? Because he is risen just as he said. All right, pastor, I see what you're saying. I see the claims he made, the validation of who he was. What does that mean for me? Here's the offer made to, making, here's the offer made to you. Here's the offer from Christ made to you and me. You see, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know what we're offered? We're offered, number one, forgiveness. Hey, remember that sin? It needs to be forgiven. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I can forgive it. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, it says that he was beaten and bruised for our sins. Paul wrote it this way in Ephesians. He said, in whom, speaking of Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and placed his arms there and allowed them to beat him and allowed him uh, to persecute him, when he did all of that, do you know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about me and thinking about you needing forgiveness, and he was saying, this is what it takes. I offer you forgiveness. Oh, oh not, not forgiveness that's just a one-time deal. No, the psalmist said it this way, that when Jesus Christ forgives you and forgives me, he takes our sins and places them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. We're offered forgiveness. We're offered redemption. The word redemption seems, it means to be brought back or to be released because a ransom has been paid. And you see, the devil, he likes to say, hey, look how wicked you are. Hey, look at you. Hey, look at what you've done. And you know, Jesus says, hey, you've been redeemed. Hey, you've been bought back. Hey, he can't hold that over your head anymore. He offers forgiveness. He offers redemption. He offers access to God. You know what? The, the Bible teaches in Mark chapter 15 that when 
Jesus died, the veil in the temple was rent in two. You say, well, pastor, that doesn't mean anything to me. What does that mean? The veil was a picture of separation between God and man. And when that veil rent from top to bottom, it was God saying, hey, because of Jesus, you have access to me. And the Bible tells us that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus, that you and I, we can go to God. Aren't you thankful today uh, for one of the testimonies that mentioned, man, you could be in your car and you can talk to God. And this week, when something happens at work, you can talk to God. And right there where you're seated, you can talk to God. And it's not because of a pastor or a priest or a church or a baptism. No, it's simply because it was an offer made by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for your sin and for mine. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for Hebrews chapter four, verse number 16 that says, I can come boldly before the throne. Man, I can go to God. That means this week when that struggle comes up, you don't have to like stop and bow and kneel. You can just like stop and think like, God, I really need you right now. And he's not a genie that's gonna be like, what do you need? No, but he will provide some wisdom. He will provide strength for your heart. There's so many promises and so many things I want to say this morning about that, but we're given access to God. What else are we offered? We're offered eternal life. Hey, everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. And Jesus says, when I died on the cross, I was offering you eternal life. What else? We were offered peace. Hey, I was offered peace with God and peace of God. I don't have to go through life trying to please God. Why? I'm at peace with him. Why? Because of Jesus. But ultimately, you know what we're offered? Real hope. Oh, but I'll just tell you something. The word hope that we talk about, this word hope, it means confident expectation. You know, some of you know the word hope that that we use. You know, I hope we have pizza for lunch. You know, I hope that I get a raise this week. I hope that, and we have that hope. You know, it's just kind of that, well, maybe, maybe not. No, this hope, it's a confident expectation. It is what's called a no-so hope. You know what that means? I know it to be true. But I wonder this morning, we have all of these things that we've been offered. Here's the question I want to end with. What will you do with Christ? What will you do with Jesus? He claimed some incredible things. He validated it by dying, being buried, and raising again. He offers you some incredible things uh, incredible benefits of knowing him, forgiveness and redemption and eternal life and access to God and peace with God and a relationship with God and real hope. But my question to you this morning is what are you going to do about it? A man by the name of J. Warner Wallace, he was a detective. I love the story of J. Warner Wallace. He was a detective, I believe, uh, I believe in LA and uh, wrote a great book. Um, uh, it's called uh, Cold Case Christianity. You look it up. Cold Case Christianity, J. Warner Wallace. He was a detective, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to prove that God doesn't exist. I'm going to prove Jesus wasn't real. And he went on this detective, uh, this scenario as a detective, as a detective and a police officer who proves things true or false. I do it all the time. He took that, and he began to research that Jesus is not real. The resurrection didn't happen you and I are just here. There is no God. There is no point. And he, he wanted to do that. After years of investigation, do you know what he did? 
He bowed his head and asked Jesus Christ to forgive him of his sin and come into his life and be his savior. Why? Because he found out that Jesus is real. You know what he did with Christ? He received him. You know the story of Lee Strobel, famous reporter. Same thing, sought out to prove it wrong because my wife will not leave me alone. You know what Lee Strobel does now? He travels around preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you going to do with Jesus? Have you received him into your life? If you're here and you have received Christ into your life, you know for sure your sins are forgiven. You, you, you would be those, that, that one that say, you know what, I, I know for sure that I've put my faith and my trust in him. I have asked him to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. I want to tell you this morning, did you know that God desires that you and I would go through life remembering hope? Oh, we have Easter Sunday, right? Easter Sunday comes around every year, and, and it's like, yeah, resurrection, yeah, and everybody's, you know, tweeting and Facebooking and social media in and TikTok in and whatever, all the other social media platforms out there, you know, everybody's thing today is like, he's risen, praise God, he's risen, but then come Tuesday, it's like, man, my life, oh, I can't believe Oh, that moment when, and we go through life, we have hope one big day, but then we forget on Wednesday. Can can I tell you something? This Wednesday, he's still alive. And if you know Christ as your savior, quit living like he's dead. I love Jim's testimony. That, That other friend in the military, he didn't even talk to me, but I saw something different in him. I wonder, do people see something different in you? If you know Christ as your Savior, do they see difference in you? But this morning, maybe you're here and you'd be honest. And again, introspective question. Do you live with hope? My question to you is, do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? You might be here and saying, you know what, I'm not. I, I don't know that. My friend, I want to tell you this morning that the entire reason Jesus came to this earth was to die for you and for me. And I'm so thankful that at the age of 20 years old that I nailed down my salvation. And at the age of 20 on a mountainside in Sedalia, Colorado, I bowed my head and I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and to be my savior. I, I knew it up here. I was raised in a pastor's home. I knew it up here, but I had never received it in here. This morning, you might be here, and you know it up here. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dennis, Pastor, I, that, yeah, that's good stuff. Man, yeah, Jesus is alive. I know it. But have you received it? Jesus said it this way in John five twelve. He said, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Hey, if you have Jesus in your life, you have eternal life. But if you've never received him, you don't have it. You say, well, pastor, what do we do then? Well, the question then is, will you make the decision to do it? Well, do what? Receive him. How how do I do that? The Bible says it very simply. Are you listening? Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to save you. God, I believe. Hey, you don't need to know all the facts. 
right now. And I'd love to sit down. You say, I have more questions. I would love to sit down with you. I, I would love to. But sometimes we're like, I just want to gather everything. You know what? You know what a relationship with God takes? Oh, the same thing it takes when you like, you know, start your car. What do you mean? We live life by faith. You say, well, I know how a car operates. Do you know how a plane operates? The smart aleck in here? Well, yes. Every time you order food at a restaurant, do you meet the cook? Do you know that they clean? Are you sure you've been in the kitchen? What are you saying, Pastor? Faith. You know what it takes to believe in Jesus Christ? Jesus said it takes a childlike faith. And today, you need to make the decision, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, to put your faith in Him. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.